0: What's up, friends? Mike Rule here. Welcome to the Mike Check Podcast, the podcast where we seek to strengthen the church to make a stronger defense of the faith by biblically checking the unbiblical. And today we're going to biblically check caring for others. I'm going to welcome to the program Alyssa and Doreen from My Brother's Place, Before we begin, I'm going to attempt to put a little biblical foundation on why we care for others, what the Bible has to say about it. And that being said, let's get it. All right. So easy, Ron, you're going to hurt yourself there. All right. Why does poverty exist in a biblical worldview? Well, you're probably not going to be surprised by this answer, but the answer is sin. Poverty exists because sin exists, but as always, there's a couple of classifications that we have to say. We can't just say, capital S, sin, that's it. Neither is there, of course, a direct correlation between somebody sinning and them having a hard time becoming poor. First, one possibility is sin involving sickness that could create a disability, which would prevent someone from working. Sickness exists because sin entered the world and then ruined God's perfect creation, right? Sickness is a result of sin being in the world, right? Cancer, uh, disabilities, other things exist, right? And sometimes someone can't work because they've had a sickness which results in a disability, Second, sin could be involving an intentional accident or even some malfeasance of someone else. Because of sin, we hurt each other. Sometimes we hurt each other in big ways. Sometimes someone physically hurts another person. Maybe a drunk driver crashes into your car and now you are paralyzed and you can't do the job that you've always done and you don't have any other ways to make money. Or a physical assault leaving someone unable to work. So sometimes sin manifests itself in intentional uh, actions against someone else that has consequences that leaves them unable to work and therefore in poverty. Someone could be sinfully oppressing or ruling over others and keeping them poor. Inequalities in societies actually exist. Many third world countries where the government officials keep all of the money that they're supposed to use for supplying food to their country they keep it for themselves, and thus they oppress the poor or the people under them, and then they become poor. And maybe lastly, there's, of course, personal sin. There could be some personal sin that you have done, that pre- something that you have done that prevents you from working. Maybe you've made some bad choices in the past, a, a criminal record that prevents you from being employable. Maybe the person doesn't have a good work ethic maybe they just can't keep a job because they're lazy. It's a result of your own personal sin. But we also have to look at why poverty exists in a biblical world a biblical worldview not just because of sin, but also because of God's sovereignty, right? God is sovereign over all things. And yes, kind of like my my drunk driving example where someone might get into a car accident and and now they're not able to work. Nobody did anything to deserve that. But God and his sovereignty didn't cause that, but allowed that to happen. And so, yes, God is sovereign over all things, including those who are rich and those who are poor. There's a sobering verse in 1 Samuel. It says, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. That first part, the Lord makes poor and the Lord makes rich. He's well aware of all the reasons why we have what we have or don't have what we have. And he's allowing all of that to work together to bring him glory, but to bring people to himself. But about the Bible itself, where do we see examples of the poor in the Bible? Okay, first remember the context. When we look at the Bible, we have to separate out 2024 America from the biblical context. Because in both Testaments, in the Old Testament and the New Testament times, if someone didn't work, they were at the mercy of society, and there was no welfare, there was no government assistance, unlike today. So literally, if you didn't work, you didn't have food, you didn't you died. You, you starved to death, your family was out on the street, and there was pretty much no one to help you in, in the biblical worldview, in context, okay? That's much different than we are today with all of our government programs. So let's look at the Old Testament first. First, caring for the poor was literally built into the law of God. We um, read in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11, it says this, if any among you one of your brothers should become poor or any of your towns within your land that the Lord God your Lord your God is giving you talking to Israel before they came into the promised land you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother but you shall open your hand to him <clears throat> and lend him sufficient for his need whatever it may be take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say the seventh year, the year of release, is near, and your eye looks grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cries to the Lord against you, and you are guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake, for there will be never cease to be poor in the land. Jesus repeats that verse in the New Testament. There will always be poor. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother and the needy and to the poor in your land. So baked into the law of God right away from the start, we have caring for the poor in society. Especially, of course, in context, Israel themselves. Like, you are to care for your brothers and sisters, right? Even their regular harvests, they were to harvest all the crops but leave some around the edges for the poor to gather, Leviticus 23 tells us, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Also, keep in mind, in biblical context in the Old Testament, even having poor among them was a sign of judgment of God, because God told them in Deuteronomy 15 that there'll be no poor among you, because the Lord will bless you in the land the Lord God is giving you, if only... You strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God. So for Israel, in the Old Testament context, having poor among them as brothers and sisters is evidence of God's judgment because they failed to obey God in the first place. We could probably carry that into our modern society, but I digress. Israel is also cautioned not to take advantage of the poor. Exodus 22 says if you lend money to any of your people who is poor— you shall not be like a moneylender to him. You shall not exact interest for him. So you're not going to be loan sharking your own people when they become poor. Israel is also cautioned not to oppress the poor in any way. Whoever oppresses a poor man, Proverbs 14, insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Families were told to take care of their own. If they become poor, if your brother becomes poor and can't maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he will live with you, Leviticus 25. Even though it was culturally thought, this was the cultural understanding, if you were rich, God was blessing you. If you were poor, then God was cursing you. God doesn't see it that way. That was a societal misunderstanding. Right? Rich people were blessed by God, poor people were cursed by God. Here's what Proverbs 22 says. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And we know in the New Testament, which we haven't gotten there, we're, we're told to show no partiality. But let's look to the New Testament. We care for the physically poor. Luke 14 tells us when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Let's remember, guys... Contrary to atheistic, agnostic, or whatever anti-Christian worldview belief, it was the Christians who were the ones who cared for the poor first. The Didache in the first century said that it's the way of death to not pity a poor man. In the second century, the Shepherd of Hermas states, uh, assist widows, visit the orphans and the poor, ransom God's servant, show hospitality, help oppressed debtors in their need. In the 3rd century, Dionysus wrote how it was the Christians who helped significantly caring for the sick during a Roman plague. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another, heedless of danger. They took charge of the sick, attending their every need and ministering them in Christ, and with them departed this life seemingly happy. So in other words, Christians, when the Roman, some of the Roman plagues happened, they came to the aid of the sick, and it cost them their lives because they got sick while caring for the sick and the poor. This was in contrast to the non-Christians, the pagans, who for the most part pushed the sick and the suffering away. And so Christian worldview says, even in the New Te- well, especially in the New Testament, this is your job. You were the ones that created the orphanages, the hospitals, um, the ways to care for the poor, soup kitchens, that sort of things? Christians did that. So if you care about the poor and you want to help, you need to thank the biblical worldview for that and the Christians who started it. But in the New Testament, right? We identify the most significant kind of poverty, which is the spiritually poor. Even some of the Old Testament references, again, more spiritually poor than physically poor. Psalm 86 says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Talking about being poor and needy in heart. Psalm 109 says that exactly, For I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. The New Testament calls us, likewise, to a spiritual poverty. Jesus says famously in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the idea of being poor in spirit means that we are all spiritually bankrupt. Our spirits don't have the connection to our creator because of sin. And we are all beggars. We are all poor until Christ can make that connection and reconcile us to the Father. And that's something we can't do ourselves. And so speaking of things to do ourselves, just some Uh, Other biblical thoughts before we welcome uh, Doreen and Alyssa. How are we to carry ourselves if we are in hard times? Let's look at that biblically. First of all, remember that all things work for God's glory, and we're to be faithful even in hard times. Proverbs 28 says, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Right? Again, God There's no respecter of persons, we don't have to have a certain level of dollars in our bank account or a certain level of comfort to be uh, accepted by God, contrary to the prosperity gospel hucksters. Um, God cares about how we live, and we we should live in such a way that is pleasing to Him. Secondly, remember that we're supposed to be working— Work was given to us before the fall. Sometimes people think, oh, work was a result of original sin in the fall. No, that just made it hard. But the creation mandate was given in Genesis 1, where we're to go, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over it. That's work. Adam was told to keep the garden, to work it uh, for God. And so biblically, when we're in hard times, we need to remember, we got to get a job. Like, we got to get to work. And if at all possible, we've got to find a way to work. In the New Testament, it says, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. And and that's a a really good principle, if you're able to, by any stretch. And there's a million things that we could do now. I mean, how many online jobs are there now that we can do? Third, if we're in uh, a poverty situation, resist the victim mentality. Right? Don't get sucked into uh, the oppressed and the oppressor mentality, the CRT nonsense, the intersectionality that we have going on in our culture, the haves, the haves nots of Marxism. No, let's not be victims here. Christians can't be victims. We're never victims. We're victors through Christ. And so we remember that. Fourth, those who oppress the poor will be judged by God. So if you're in a situation where you are poor because someone is oppressing you, remember that they're not getting away with anything. One day God will judge them. And remember back to Israel, part of the reason that Israel was uh, under judgment by God, part of their failure was they did not take care of the poor and they oppressed the poor in their own country, their own brothers and sisters. Fifth, we need to remember that caring for the poor pleases God. Isaiah 58 says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? We've got to get after it. Caring for the poor pleases God. And so when we see someone in need, and we're going to talk a lot about this with Doreen and Alyssa, uh, we need to help them. Sixth, and finally, the ultimate way to care for the poor or when we are in poor is remember our spiritual needs right second corinthians 8 says for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich our greatest poverty is a spiritual poverty and we see that model that paul writes in second corinthians that guess what christ was rich, became poor, so that we could become rich in Christ. He exchanges our poverty for his riches. He exchanges our sin for his righteousness. Through faith in Christ, the greatest poverty we have, the poverty of our own soul that could be under the wrath of God forever, could be exchanged for a brand new life in Jesus Christ. That is the greatest poverty that we face Jesus said, of course, we talked about it already in Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The people that know that they need a Savior, those are the ones that will be in the kingdom. Jesus came to do this. He quoted Isaiah in Luke 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so we've got to remember their ultimate poverty is the spiritual poverty that we have apart from Christ. That doesn't, of course, disqualify the physical poverty and the physical needs that someone might have, and so we are called to meet those as well. Um, Of course, we talked about the numerous Old Testament references, uh, the law of God and how that general equity still applies today. Of course, the principles still apply today. We could never get out of that saying, well, I'm a Gentile, I was never under the Old Covenant, I don't have to uh, care for the poor. Nonsense, and Jesus ratifies that in the New Testament. Paul says in Galatians 2, uh, speaking of um, meeting with the Jewish brothers after he became a believer, they asked me to remember the poor the very thing I was eager to do. So we see it in Jesus, we see it in the disciples, we see it in the Apostle Paul as well. So how do we care for the physical needs of our brothers and sisters all around us who are in need? And to that end, I had a great conversation with Alyssa and Doreen about their organization, My Brother's Place, a place for spiritual and physical refuge for those in need. And uh, I cannot wait to share this with you. It's a great conversation. And so without further ado, I'm going to give you Alyssa and Doreen. All right. So I have in studio here in the Mike Check Law Office studios, I have two of my favorite people in the entire world, Alyssa Myron and Doreen Baxter from My Brother's Place. And so first of all, welcome to the Mic Check. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us today. So tell us about My Brother's Place. Tell us about the the mission, the vision, for those who may not know.
1: Well, our mission um, is is simply to provide physical and spiritual refuge to families in need, primarily in Sussex County, and sometimes we venture out to uh, bordering Errors of Sussex County. Melissa, okay. I'll let you hit the vision. Sure. Okay. Well, actually, we just rewrote this.
2: Oh, so, nice. Um, I'll read it for us. But our vision is to glorify God by being the hands and feet of Jesus. With the help of local churches, we aim to meet the physical needs of families, assisting with housing, utilities, groceries, budgeting, and more. But we also focus on the spiritual needs by sharing the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do this through biblical counseling, Bible reading and study, and by encouraging families to become part of a local gospel preaching church. We strive to build relationships with our families based on trust and respect, while showing grace as we walk alongside them through hardships. Our hope is that through our ministry, families will experience the transformative power of God's love and be equipped to thrive in all areas of life. So all that to say is mm. we help people by being the hands and feet of Christ, and we meet a physical need in order to also share the, the hope we have in Christ.
0: Right. Wow, that's great. That is quite a statement you guys crafted there.
1: Yeah, we spent uh, last week at our board meeting doing that. So. I like
0: that very much. <laughs> so I get the idea that this is not just uh, like a line where people line up outside the My Brother's Place headquarters. They get a number and, you know, here's a free lunch. No, there's and then not they a they quite walk a process. Away And, you know, they get to, or here's a hundred bucks and then they walk away. So how does that translate what you just said? How does that translate practically?
2: Sure. So we um, we receive clients or hear about clients, um, in a couple different ways. Okay. Um, a lot of times it's through social services or one of our partnering organizations that kind of are in the same field as us. Okay. Um, so you connect partners. locally
0: yes. with social service organizations, county stuff and, yes. through, okay. and
2: churches and a and lot churches. of local churches. And okay. so that's the Good. other way we, um, a lot of times are. Our supporting churches will let us know of a family or, hey, I ran into this person, I gave them your contact information. Okay. And then sometimes it's through just friends. Some, yeah, somebody yeah. who just kind of heard about us through somebody who comes to Highlands and yep. says, you should reach out to them. yep. And so we, we have initial conversations, and then we, you know, unfortunately, not everybody's a good fit for my brother's place. And yeah. that sounds harsh, and I don't mean it that way, but, you know, we are a unique organization and we have limited funds mm-hmm. and limited staff. And so when people really want to break the cycle of poverty and they are really ready to make necessary changes mm-hmm. then that's when we want to work with them and yeah the, the cool thing about us too is we don't have to work within the confines of social services income requirements we okay. get to work in that gray area where a family is you know doing okay and then they hit one fire right. one financial
0: which sometimes Emergency I would imagine could hap- hap- literally be anybody. a fire. Yes, or <laughs> yeah. it could happen to
2: anybody. You know, uh, yeah. Their car breaks down, and then yeah. all of a sudden they are choosing between groceries or fixing the car to get to, yeah. to work. And so sometimes it's something small like that. So yeah. um, we have a, an intense application process. So yeah. if, if we feel like they're ready to make those changes, then we'll send them an application, and then as a board, we review it.
0: Yeah. So it, I was going to ask, who was the ideal person or the ideal person that you work with? But you kind of answered it in that, it, it seems like people who are ready for change, ready for help, mm-hmm. not so much ready for just a handout
1: yeah, and then and to walk away. Sometimes and- that happens. Sometimes we just do provide relief, which is what I would call a handout. Okay. You know, the, so somebody
0: needs their, somebody needs food and you're just, you're absolutely. not going to obviously We're not gonna turn ever them turn away. Anybody away. Yeah. No, nope. okay.
1: no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. But if we want to uh, continue with them, then there's, then there's a big process. Okay. Um to go through like Alyssa said with an application and interviews and meeting with them. Um, and
0: so yes, that desire to be like okay, I, I don't just want a handout. I want to improve. Yeah, I want I, I want your change. help
2: to make necessary changes. I, I want your help to figure out how to get out of the situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, you guys are a Christian organization, said that a couple times, but do cri- people need to be Christians in order to be helped oh, by you guys? Absolutely
2: not. No. Absolutely not. Um you know, we When we first started this, we were helping anyone and everyone from all over northern New Jersey. And we very quickly realized that we needed to kind of figure out exactly who it was and where they needed to be from. And we really needed to tighten that up a little bit because our whole point is we needed to do what we were doing and do it well. And so we decided that... um, I would say the majority of the people we work with are families with minor children living at home, Mm -hmm. living in the county of Sussex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Green Pond being one of our supporting churches and a lot of our um, friends and family being in that area as well, we definitely hear of people in that Morris County area, and we work with them as well. Um, And occasionally there is a single mom or, excuse me, not a single mom, a single person that would reach out, and, you know, we're not going to turn them away if they have nowhere to stay that night. So we'll, you know, do a night in a hotel or try to help them find not another sure. organization that might be a better fit. Right. Um, but so speaking not of so single moms, a... we work with a lot of single parents. I right. that, I would say, yeah. is the majority of the people we work with are single parents.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and even in that, right, you see the breakdown of the family. You see the breakdown of our society and those things where it's like so much of that. I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit, but just that's the consequence and that's the byproduct of some of those things. Absolutely. Sure Absolutely, run into that a lot. For sure. Yeah. So how about each of you as far as getting involved in my brother's place. I mean, Doreen, we've known each other a (laughs) long time. Alyssa, I had you in youth group, which I'm trying not to think about right now because it makes me feel old. (laughs) But I mean, I remember when this was something you guys talked about at care group, however many years ago and getting a 501c3 and forming a board and what are we doing and who are we and we're off and running. Yeah. How did this idea begin?
1: So it it kind of started back in 2009, 2010, when our economy was kind of collapsing. And uh, my husband Len's business was uh, not getting very many phone calls uh, Mm -hmm. for work. We had a lot of people who he used as um, contractors, and they were calling us without uh, any work. We weren't able to help them. And so um, things around us were kind of collapsing financially. And uh, the thought just kept coming into my mind, if this is happening to my family, and I am middle class, or um, what about people who aren't in the middle class, or uh, how how are they surviving? And so it just became something that we became very aware of that right around us, in our neighborhood, in neighborhoods near us, that there were people who were struggling to pay their bills, keep Mm -hmm. their house, pay their groceries, um, put food on the table for their kids, and it was really hard. So uh, the Lord just was laying it on my heart to do something about it, and I went to a bunch of people, asked them to start praying, you being one of them, Mm. and um, people began to pray. And then in uh, 2013— I'll admit back
0: then when I was praying, I wasn't exactly sure what I was praying for. I (laughs) I don't think anybody did. (laughs) I
1: don't don't even know know if I knew, because originally I started (laughs) thinking, I just want a little house that I could put people in when they need somewhere to stay but yeah. uh but it became so much more it wasn't that simple no, I mean, think we both yeah. Felt that yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so. I mean I can't even imagine I mean having done the 501c3 here for highlands like I I know what that was like it and was for you a lot guys for work. the ground up it's oh my goodness yes
1: yeah, so we didn't even have a lawyer helping us so we had a a lot of great people who uh, <laughs> stepped in to, to write papers and and things for us. Um, some of them are board members now, and nice. we're really grateful. Somewhere where did the name once. come
0: from? I don't know if you were going to get to that or not. but oh, did...
1: So my brother's place, we were trying to come up with a name, and actually uh, my sister-in-law, uh, Debbie, came up with the name. Where she goes, what about my brother's place? And I thought about it, and the reason for the name is Jesus is our brother. That's the main reason okay. for the name. Okay. Um, the second reason was that um, my brother Todd, who passed away, was um, influential in my spiritual walk. And it was kind of a weird way, I guess, to for yeah. me to honor him. And sure. I don't know honor is the best word, but yeah. to honor him, I guess. Yeah. And then the third reason was, and w- this was a, a big reason, was that when we had a child in our program, specifically a teenager, yep. we didn't want them to feel embarrassed. So if they could yeah, say... We're hanging out, or we're. we're I'm staying, at my brother's staying place, staying in. at my brother's place. You know. Um, yeah. It wasn't something that would embarrass them. Right.
0: It wasn't like a home so, or a shelter. Right. Yeah.
1: So those were the main reasons why. Okay. The name.
0: And when did you get uh, official? When was your? Your 501c3 or whatever licenses else. I'm not even really sure what other licenses you need to to get rolling.
1: Yeah, we we got our 501c3. I believe it was 2013. We um, were registered with the state of New Jersey first, Mm -hmm. and then um, the Lord was so gracious to us in um, getting our application to the right person. We only had one thing that we had to fix on our bylaws. Wow. Um, And... um, it went through real quickly, and so then the phone lines, uh, I believe, opened Turn the up. phone
0: lines on, and
1: we. I think we we ringing. paused a little bit to gather, you know, just things. I did. We open the phone lines, 2016, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, 2013 it was. is when we started working on that. So, okay. yeah, I'm not exactly sure that. So
0: you're you're coming up. Around ten years. Yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be a a ten year gala or something. There's gonna be
1: something.
2: There's There's gonna be something. something.
0: (laughs) Something's gonna happen. Okay.
2: So I didn't get involved with my brother's place right away. Um, Full transparency, I was definitely reluctant to. I felt like it was very heavy, and as somebody who struggles with anxiety and kind of feeling everybody else's feels, I didn't know how I would handle that. Yeah. And then I kind of started to quickly realize as I was making excuses not to get involved, but I really felt like the Lord has blessed me with the ability to write and to communicate well. And I wanted to use yeah. those gifts. Um, yeah. at the time I was still working remotely for Gordon college
1: mm-hmm.
2: after we had moved back from Massachusetts and I was helping mom a little bit on the side with my brother's place, doing some writing, setting up some basic templates and trying to figure out how <laughs> things I can't do yeah. <laughs> things were going to function. And I started to just kind of,
1: get slowly, pulled, slowly in,
2: in um, to the ministry. Yeah. And started to realize that there was way more of a need than I ever thought there was in my hometown. Yeah. And so when we moved back and I, I stopped working for Gordon, I transitioned to a role of a board member and mm-hmm. started to sit in on in those meetings and just kind of help on the side and then got sucked in more yeah. and uh, transitioned into the role of working as their director of events and communication.
0: Okay. So Couldn't you Couldn't do it without her. I <laughs> I would imagine that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Having known Alyssa a long time, <laughs> done a lot of weddings with Alyssa, <laughs> yeah. I could definitely verify that is true. She's v- very well gifted to uh, to take care of that. Yes. I'm quite sure. As, yes. as are you, Doreen, and, and your board members and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the again, the Christian basis for doing this, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's an outgrowth of both of your faith and the board members' faith and the reason you do this. But what what would you say, like, if somebody came to you, knew you were Christians and said, so so why do you do this? What is, what's, like, the biblical motivation or the faith motivation? Like, why are you—this must be really hard. Right. And to Alyssa's point, the situations must be heavy. Right. I deal with heavy situations as a pastor— I imagine there's a lot of crossover in some of the family dynamics and poverty and marriage troubles and all of this stuff. What would you say is your motivation when somebody would say, why do you do this? Why do you get involved in that?
1: Well, you're right in all the heaviness of it. When we started the ministry, I thought it was going to be a feel-good ministry. Help somebody. You're going to have a lot of joy. You're going to feel great about things. High fives, things. High fives. <laughs> This is It's going to be wonderful. And not to say there aren't moments of that. We mm-hmm. have seen God working, and it's uh, a tremendous blessing. But it is a heavy ministry. And so, you know, the biblical motivation is that, you know, scripture calls us to take care of, of the needy. I mean, in Matthew 25, he says, uh, if you do it to the, one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Yeah. And uh, so that's a motivation. James 2 says, um, you know, if we don't have works, um, what does that say about our faith? And, um, you know, I could try to quote that for you, but I would wouldn't do a great job, but he says, um, <laughs> you, can you know, paraphrase. don't, don't say go in peace, be warmed to right. be filled without giving them the things they need for the body. And what good is that? So, so, um, so actually face,
0: getting involved, don't be like, right. Oh, I feel bad for you. Hope that works out. Yeah.
1: But taking action. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the story of the good Samaritan. I mean, this is somebody who helps somebody that, they weren't friendly with. They didn't even get along. Other people passed by and yet he, he stopped and he bandaged them up and he brought mm, them yeah. somewhere to get help. So that, you know, and then, um, you know, what the church is all about, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, yep. we're called to do this and it's yep. the greatest commandment. And then the biggest reason is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, Mark 16. Yeah. Go into all the world. Right, preach the good news, and uh, we know that that is not going to change the physical aspects of people, but it's going to change everything else about them. the gospel changes everything, and um, so it affects every aspect of our being, our relationship to God, our relationship to others, our relationship to creation, our relationship with ourselves. And so, um, I would say, the gospel is the biggest reason um, that we help others, but you know, it's mandated by, by Jesus. Yeah. Love God, love others.
0: Love God, love others.
1: Absolutely. I think I've heard that somewhere. It <laughs> yeah, sounds a bit familiar. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Would you have anything to add to that? I, I don't know, you know that I
2: could of? add anything to that. I just yeah. think, um, we're commanded to,
0: yeah, it almost seems like, you now correct me if I'm wrong here. Cause of course, one of my favorite words is worldview. It almost seems like, you know, th- those problems, I'm using air quotes because <laughs> we don't have mic check video <laughs> yet. Yeah. That's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Those problems that are in the outside world, they're part of our entire Christian worldview. It's not like, oh, what are they going to do about it? And here I go into church and being a Christian, living my own way, separate from that. No, the the biblical worldview that you just described uh, mandates, I think is the word you used, which is great mandates that no, we do care about these things. And that is part of our faith, Mm -hmm. it's not separate. There's not two, there's one worldview and it's Christ at the center and that includes caring for others. Absolutely. So, I like it. What about an unbiblical way, right? Sometimes I have full disclosure, safe place, right? I've struggled with how do I help this person? And maybe they have a real strong opinion of how they want to be helped and how you can help them. But is that actually helping them? And is there a way? I'm thinking of that book title, right? When helping hurts. Oh, yeah, I
1: read it. Yes, yeah. great book.
0: I'm sure it's you guys. Very have.
1: influential in the ministry that we that we have. So, so, so
0: talk about that. Is there a way where we can actually, in our trying to help people, not help them?
2: So I think I don't think anybody goes out there and says is going to be ill intent in in wanting to help someone. Yeah. But I think sometimes it crosses a line of enabling rather than helping. And we talked a little bit about that hand up and hand out. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people want to help. And I think that's really commendable. Um, And I think addressing those immediate needs sometimes can have maybe some unintended consequences. Um, And I'm not calling anybody out, but I think that there are definitely, I know of churches in our area who might get a phone call from a family in need. We really need food. And they say, great, come to our service today and we're going to give you a gift card. Mm -hmm. And while there's nothing wrong with that, what it does though is it kind of is a little bit of like a bait and switch, in my opinion. So I don't think that's the way Jesus did ministry, nor
0: yeah.
2: do I think. So you're
0: saying once you come to the once service, you come, then, you'll then you're going to do it. Get but your gift card. For
2: me, if I'm that mom and I'm making that phone call and I'm sitting in your service, there's no way I'm listening to anything you're saying because I'm in the back of my mind wondering, yeah. is my need going to be met? Am I going to leave here with a gift card and be able to go get those groceries for my kids? Yeah. So. I think it's it's good intent like I think there's good intentions there. Yeah. Um, but the other lack of that too is is there gonna be any follow-up with that family? Sure. You know, you handed them a gift card and you're gonna walk away and you're like, Yeah, I did something. And that's true.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But you're also then falling a little bit short of mm-hmm. of really taking advantage of that moment and really meeting them where they are and not seeing that immediate need and only that immediate need. Yeah. Um so I think that it can be a little problematic, but we definitely take a different approach. Um, we really, truly invest in the lives of the families we work with by providing our time and resources and, and our hearts. We we definitely get invested with them. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we see it as a hand up and not a hand out. And we want them to become self-sufficient and not dependent. Right. And so it's twofold our mission. We address the immediate need because we understand that meeting that physical, immediate need is just the first step. And we don't forget about their greatest need, which is Christ. We we meet that immediate need because it opens a door for us to be able to share the gospel with them. Right. And and without meeting that need, they can't get past that. That's yeah. all that they see. And so sometimes hitting out that gift card is helpful and it definitely serves a purpose, but it's putting a too small of a band-aid on a really persistent wound. Yeah. And so I think that's where where we excel. I think that's where we are able to really meet families, meet the physical need, but then also not forget about that greatest need.
0: Yeah. yeah. The the word immediate that Is striking me Mm -hmm. when you say that because if somebody doesn't have food, it's like, okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you're hungry, but, you know, let's open the Bible and let's talk.
2: (laughs) It doesn't really work that way. I
0: mean, obviously, that's the greatest need is someone's salvation. But the immediate needs, as you said, sometimes prevent people even from focusing on, like, if they're starving, like,
1: they're not not really going to be thinking about
0: their... Right. Or there's no electric
1: right. in the house and they have, you know, five kids and yeah. the refrigerator's not working and the food's going bad and all of that. You know, there's there's different causes of poverty. And um, I think it's it's really crucial that we um, take the appropriate action for the the types of poverty that there are, for example. We could have two families come to us, um, both needing uh, their rent paid because they're going to be evicted. Okay. One family could have the situation where the father in the family had a heart attack and he can't be the breadwinner. There's no one to provide for them at that moment. It's not time for the mom to get a job or the older and children can't or whatever. The kids. They, or, right, exactly. Yep. Those kinds of things. Whereas maybe the other family um, just chooses not to work. Uh, they they like getting the assistance from the government. Yeah, I was actually going to go
0: here, so I'm glad you're saying um, that.
1: And and things like that. So their their financial struggles, struggles although they're the same, they're both in crisis, it's the approach has to be very different. So we want to provide relief to that first family who has you know the situation with the health issue. They they can't meet that need. They need relief right there right then. Or yeah. the other family, they still need some kind of a relief. They're still going to be evic- evicted but they more need a plan they need some kind of a, a developing plan where they're not going to wind up staying in that same place So both families need compassion both families need help and but grace. they're yeah and and grace and they're, but the, it's distinct and they require different responses so imagine um, that
0: sets up some hard conversations sometimes
1: Oh yeah sometimes it's very very hard um,
0: but that's yeah. that's the whole nature unfortunately of personal responsibility. Right. And, um, the idea that how much, not the church, not you guys, but our society and government has enabled people to think like, well, just help me the way I want you to help me. And that's it. I don't want anything else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very broken system. Yeah. And, And we all do it right. Providing relief to somebody is easy, right? When uh, even at Christmas time, when we do a collection for our families, that mm-hmm. is well thought out. It's not like we're just providing a relief, but but things like that get a lot of support because it's quick, it's a quick thing. I've done something. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. You know, when I do something like that, and so yeah, it, it's it's harder to do the development because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Um, but we don't want to be uh, just enabling people. We don't want them right. to. To feel like they're they have a uh, they're dependent on us or they have a sense of entitlement. Right. So when we, we
2: work with them, we we really create these very customized, mutually agreed upon plans. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's very intentional and mm. and it's intense because while we want to do everything we can for them, we're also not going to do things for them that they can do for themselves. Right. We will never take the actions that someone right. else can take because they also need to take ownership yeah. of mm-hmm. the hardships that they're facing. Because if we were to do everything for them, then they're going to be stuck in that situation because when we, you know, a year down the road, six months down the road, yeah. whatever that is, when so all of a sudden we're not
0: that holding give them. Give a man a fish yes. or teach a man to fish. Right. Right.
1: It, we are really trying to work with families so um, that it's a sustainable solution. Yeah. Right? right. It's not just here's a gift card, go on your way. Right. So right. it does take a lot of time Yeah. and it is heavy.
0: I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, there's been a lot of situations, uh, whether it be from the pandemic or from just, you know, million other reasons. I'm sure you see them all of why people are in the situations that they are in, whether maybe through bad choices of their own selves or somebody else did something to them, sinned against them in some way or society or something happened. Sickness just in general.
2: So right. you know. I do think the pandemic had a huge effect because so many families were getting a lot of assistance during that time and you couldn't be evicted. And
1: yeah. people are landlords, and, and, now, and now that very, stuff's going away. And
2: now that's all going away. And so some people didn't get the jobs back that they had before, or it's altered, and so their income might be part time instead of full time. So that definitely had an effect. I might mean, also think a huge contributing factor right now is just the increase in the cost of living. Yeah. I mean. Groceries are insane. Rent yeah. is Gas. is no longer affordable at all. Yeah. And the, the places that are low income, you, you can't get into.
1: The, the waiting list is astronomical. Hmm. Yeah, back in when we started this in, like say, 2016, a one-bedroom apartment was going for like 700 and some odd dollars. Mm-hmm. And now that same one-bedroom apartment is over $1,500. Wow. So it's, it's very expensive. The other thing that – I don't know if I should say this or not, but I think our <laughs> system – Our system is broken. Like, I think there was good intentions when... You mean the government system? The government system. system. I think there was good intentions. But now, for example, you know, the Bible commands people to work, right? So we encourage our people to get jobs. They'll get a job. It's a low-paying job, perhaps, sometimes. And because they get the job, their uh, food stamps Mm -hmm. crash. Mm -hmm. And so now, because they're working, they're in a worse off situation financially than they were because they're working and lost their food stamps when say they were getting maybe $800 a month or a thousand dollar a month for food. Right. And now they're maybe getting $100. Wow. And so, um, it's, it's a broken system. We're not rewarding the people who are trying. Right.
0: There's the system too. And then I'm also thinking about the families in society, right? Our families are broken too. I, Mm -hmm. I wonder how many people you come in contact with and help that, themselves now that they're parents and they have little kids but they themselves didn't see a healthy family they themselves didn't have maybe both parents working together in a stable household maybe they themselves are like this is all i've ever known is scraping by and you know nowhere to live or whatever else or dependence on the government do you see that a lot where it's kind of generational
1: i have seen some cyclical things happening like that um just actually this past week got a phone call from the daughter of somebody we helped when we first started the ministry and so there is that and and the hope is that through Christ and through these plans that we set up with people that we'll stop that cyclical thing from from occurring from generation to generation
0: yeah yeah changing gears a little bit i think of the account of uh, acts chapter 3 um, where Peter and John were going up to the temple and there was a, a man who was lame from birth. He was being carried and he sees Peter and John go into the temple and he, and he asks for help. He asks to receive alms. So literally a beggar with uh, you know, a jar out or, or something to collect money. And Peter looks at him and uh, says, look at us. He tells the man to look at us and he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So he's like, okay, cool. I got their attention. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to get my My (laughs) my money. And Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Leaping, he stood, he began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him doing this, right? And they recognized him as the one who would sit there and asking for alms and, and they were filled with wonder. I mean, there's so much of what we've talked about Mm-hmm. in these verses, right? The idea that no, it wasn't I'm not just going to give you a handout and walk away. Right. I have something far greater. Well, he took him into you. the
1: temple. To me that's huge, yeah. right? And it's he's praising point. God. Um, you know, I think back to to one of the uh, clients we had uh probably midway through our ministry and uh she was just Wanted to learn so much, uh, je- definitely. So wanted to change her situation, and she is now involved in a church. She is serving in the church, and that's where we yeah. want to get to, right? Yep. That that's the that's the ultimate. Yeah, if person can get that's that far. That's how
0: I was actually going to segue. I was wanted so they brought him into the temple, right? It just wasn't a handout, right? He was he was healed, but he was also healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how does my brother's place go about? integrating faith into this, how do you, how do you then, you know, it's, it's obviously beyond a handout. Mm -hmm. How do you share the gospel with people? How do you integrate the biblical worldview? Is it something when you're talking with them, when you're sitting down, how does it, how does it normally come about?
2: It's a great question. Um, so on our application, one of the pages is about their spiritual life. Do they have a faith? Who do they think Jesus is? Are they open to biblical counseling? Do they own a Bible? We, we ask a lot of these questions um, mm-hmm. just to have the information. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they have no interest in biblical counseling, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mean that we're still not going to share the gospel if and when we meet with them. Right. Um, so we have case managers, and our board does make up some of those case managers, but we also have a group of volunteers that work with us. Right. And so when we're going to meet with a client, the very first very first meeting, we talk about who we are, what we do, and why we do what we do. Yeah, and so good. we pray before each meeting, and and that door slowly is opened. Um, do you ever then,
0: feel any resi- or outward resistance to that? Like, I I just want I yeah. just want help. I don't <laughs> want any of this Jesus stuff. Like,
1: uh, yeah, it's definitely occasionally happened. Absolutely, we've had a couple occasions actually where when, when the phone call comes in, we always tell them about that we're a faith-based organization and yep. tell tell them a little bit about why we do what we do, get into more detail when we mm-hmm. meet with them. But we have had um, probably less than five people who have said once we've talked to them about that on the initial contact that they don't Stop want our talking help.
0: talking to me about that. Yes, <laughs> and that,
1: that's going to happen. Yeah.
2: That, that, that's just the reality. Yeah, But I do think overall, I, yes, I do think overall. that people... I don't mean that this to sound bad, but when you're in a desperate situation, you will take any form of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And if we're telling you that's God right in that very moment mm-hmm. and you're really vulnerable, you're like, okay, tell me more. Yeah. But it softens their hearts. It opens up right. that door. I keep saying opening up that door, but for lack of a better term, we're opening the door. <laughs> and so it gives our case managers the, the opportunity to, to share the gospel with them. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's the reality that when we are in trial, when we are suffering, that's when the Lord has our attention. It's like all the other things have been stripped away, and now it's just us. Right. And then it's like, okay, We were just God. talking
1: about that in a okay, meeting this God. morning, right? When we go through the trials that we have, it can either draw us closer to God or, or pull us away from Him. And we have found that most times it draws people closer. We see God's faithfulness in situations. We, yeah. see, um, we go to Him in prayer.
0: Yeah, because when so, things are going great, it's like, you know,
1: yeah, I can do this myself. <laughs> we can forget God. <laughs> but there's awesome. been quite a few
2: clients who have sat in the chairs of this church, um, who yeah. I don't know that they ever sat in church before, but they've they they've come and and some have stayed for weeks and some have come once. But it, it's happening in churches all throughout the county. Some Great. have been at Lafayette and and yeah. Sussex or um yeah Sussex and Sparta. Great. And and that's encouraging to me.
0: Yeah. What about the average person? Like apart from... We are pretty average uh, uh, also. Definitely. Well, you're above average, I would say. No, no. Apart from my brother's place, right? So somebody's listening to this and maybe it's just like, I know somebody's in need. Maybe they're not really a fit for my brother's place or whatever. Or maybe they just feel like, no, the Lord's like, no, you help. You get involved. What can the average person do to kind of get involved practically?
2: Right. I think before you can even get to, like, the practical thing, um, for me, I, I would just encourage everyone and anyone to know the organization that you're supporting, to mm. to know their vision, to know their mission, what do they do, and and would you be proud to have your name as a donor listed, Okay. and so I think that's just being a, a good financial steward of your resources, yeah, definitely. Um, and so that's the first thing, because I think okay. that... That in order to, I, I think that's I think that's the responsible thing. Okay. Um, but I think there's a lot of practical ways that the average person can. I feel like we're we're
1: we're average. We're definitely like, average. <laughs> Our board is average. We're average. Listen, Pastor Mike, we were just people who saw a need and wanted to try and meet it. So we're average. We don't have degrees in anything. No, no, no we, we do have degrees. We just well, have degrees in not degrees work. in social work. <laughs> we have degrees in education and communications and things like that, but. Not in social work. So it's, yeah. just, uh, it's just average believers doing what God says. It's building relationships with people. It's doing the one another's of, yeah. of the word. Um, it's caring for them. It's praying for them. It's spending time with them. It's sharing the hope we have in Christ. Yeah. Um, it's just loving our neighbors, really, when it comes down to it. And you know what you said before, and it, I'm thinking of it now, that sometimes you just don't really know what to do. There are times that we just don't really know what to do, even as an organization. Yeah, I was actually
0: thinking of that just now. Like, we oftentimes have that analysis paralysis. Like, I want to help, and maybe where do you even start? Yeah, where do I even start? A or B? Like, I, I'm scared. Like, I don't even want. I don't want to make it worse. I'm way out of my comfort zone here. Mm-hmm. What if they just get mad at me because you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I need your help or something weird like that. I just think we're so unfamiliar in general of how to do it that that sometimes stops us from doing anything.
2: And unfortunately I don't think there's an easy answer there because yeah. everyone's situation is so different and, right. the, and the depths of their need are so different, but tangible things that anybody can do. Um, and you can donate to your local food pantry right now. Food pantries in our area are being depleted because okay. just the rise in cost of things. So, That's meeting an immediate need, and that is definitely helping, and that's a great place to start. Food cards. Um, Yes, food cards cards, so that people can go get the things that they can't get at a pantry. I mean, those are really, I don't even want to say small because it makes a huge difference, but those are tangible, easy, if you will, things that that most people can do. But Um,
1: it's getting to know your neighbors. You know what I mean? There's people in your own neighborhoods that you know, things aren't going well for. They may need, maybe their cars broke down and they need a ride somewhere. And because you took them to the doctors or to wherever they needed to the food store, you have opportunities for conversation. Yeah, It's building into people's lives really is what it kind of comes down to, helping others. It's just trying to love them like Jesus.
0: Knowing them well enough to know the need Mm -hmm. and to jump in and help.
1: Yeah, lots of times when you don't know when there's like, you know, People standing outside the Acme with a sign. Yeah. You really need kind of more need to dig in on those, yeah. you know. And
0: let's face it, because I saw that. Yeah. And I was immediately overcome with, uh, I'm a pastor. I can't believe I'm not helping this person. And then the other thought was, I've never seen that before here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See it in New York City. You see it other places all the time, but I've never seen it in and-
1: yeah, in never give money. Town. I wouldn't ever give money
0: yeah. because
1: uh, you don't know what people are going to spend it on. Yeah, even even when, that's where I was like,
0: mm, yeah. yeah,
1: you know, I'd I'd much. Said, and I'm wrestling with say,
0: myself like, is that just my own self righteousness? Do right. I just not want to help or like? <laughs> so
1: when people ask me about situations like that,
2: I always say buy them a meal. Exactly. Because yeah. If there's a need there and, and they're hungry. Yep. But in, even if they're not, and maybe they ate that, that morning and they're not hungry, but you, you still did something and you let that person know they were seen. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that that's sometimes part of it. Yeah. So I always encourage, buy a meal, buy a cup of coffee, and acknowledge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That you see them. Yeah. True. What about the church? How can the church help <laughs> our... our... You know, we can talk about our relationship here, for example, which, again, just to clarify, because I think that's one of the most often questions I get as pastor is like, oh, how do I give to my brother's place through Highlands? I'm so, well, you, you don't. You can, they're, <laughs> they're a totally separate organization. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. You know, we support you guys mm-hmm. uh, financially, prayer-wise, physically, a bunch of other stuff. But how does that dynamic or how could it work with you and other churches?
2: Sure. That's... Um... That's something we've been talking about a lot lately. One of our, so we had a vision and planning meeting, mm-hmm. and um, we talked about our short-term goals, um, you know, our mid-range goals, and then goals down. And, and I won't share all of them because they're still in the very initial planning stages, and <laughs> some gonna, of them are quite ambitious. Yeah. Um, but one of our goals was to do a better job at connecting with local churches. And we definitely have strong relationships with many, mm-hmm. but there's there's a lot more that we would like to connect with. And so one of the areas that we're exploring right now is how do we almost create like a point person with some of these churches so that if there's people who twofold, one, feel like they need help yep. and it's, it's bigger than maybe what their benevolence can do or yep. it's bigger than what they can afford to help with, that we would be able to either partner with them or step in. Okay. And then the other piece is we really desperately need, I'm sure we're going to get to this later too, but we are desperately in need of case managers. And so being able to pull from local churches without stealing the gifts that they would be giving their church, but maybe borrowing them a little bit, um, it would be very beneficial and it'd be beneficial for both bodies.
0: So give us the skinny on what's a case manager
2: and (laughs) what do you have to... (laughs) Do, so what case degrees manager, do you have to have? None. You need to have a heart for helping and a heart for Jesus. So case managers are the ones who are meeting with our clients, meeting with our families, counseling them with the word of God, working on them with their budget sheets. And we provide all the training and all the materials that anyone who has a heart for those things would right. would be able to help with. Right. Um, and I won't lie, it definitely, it takes some time mm-hmm. and, and you definitely have to give of yourself to to really walk alongside some of these families and it is rewarding in the sense that you are, you get it to be a part of someone's life and you get to be a page in their book and, and work with them through maybe some of their hardest times, hardest things that they're facing. And you get
1: to be a light for Christ in a really very real way.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We want p- people to connect to the church. I mean, that right. is one of the main goals of My Brother's Place, because in the church, you have a community of believers who love the Lord. Yeah. And um, we want them to be part of that community where they feel the love of God, they feel the love of Jesus, and where they're accepted, where people talk to them. So many of these people that we work with are islands. We talk to them at, who's your go-to person? Who can you ask help from? Yeah. And a lot that. of them don't have anybody yeah. to do that. It's and sad. so the church, that, that aspect of the church is so, so important. And you know what? The church shares the gospel. The the church disciples. Yep. And... You know, if it, we, we don't want to be the church. No, we want yes. the church to do as that an extension. Yes. Yeah. We you work know. towards the same
2: goal of, of glorifying God and spreading his kingdom, but we don't, we don't want them to see us as the church either. We right. want them to know that we want you there. We right. want you learning there. But, yeah. Yeah. That's so that, a beautiful thing. Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah. Um, what about poverty in general? You know, we, 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 automatically go to somebody can't pay their rent. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Somebody can't buy food. So is is poverty merely material or is there such a thing as spiritual poverty and and again I think we talked about some of this before but anything you want to add on how my brother's place addresses not just material poverty.
1: Yeah, I mean there is <clears throat> we're all spiritually in poverty, right? Mm-hmm. All of us need a savior, yeah. And so, thankfully, some of us have been tr- transformed by Christ, and Amen. and be, and uh, so everybody's in need of a savior. So none of us are free from being impoverished spiritually, right. and we need to remember that when we counsel and work in with spirit, our spirit, right? Exactly. So um, any, any anyone who believes will be saved, right? Anybody who repents of their sins. So uh, the spiritual. Uh, Component of poverty is huge, as is the um, emotional, if I might add that. Um, yeah, no, that's um, a great point. Because there's a lot of shame yeah. that goes is 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 associated with this ministry. Hmm. You know, um, it's very rare that we will have someone who says, "I'm willing to speak at your golf outing," yeah. or if we have a dinner. There's going to be a very few people that we would be able to tap into to
0: get up there and, and say, publicly say, because yeah.
1: there's a lot of shame They're They're embarrassed. Um, they feel like, you know, men are feel like, you know, I'm not providing for my family. Uh, I'm not being responsible or or things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of areas of poverty that happen. But. As we work with these families, what we always have to keep in mind, and, and I would say this for anybody, is that we can't forget that we're impoverished too. As we work with these families, God is sanctifying us as well. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, we're up here and you're down there. Right. We're, lo- we're, we're working alongside each other. We're, we're spending time in the Word alongside each other. We're spending time coming up with your budget. We're doing it together. It's not like we're telling you what to do. Yeah. It's not like we're the parent and they're the yeah, child. We're not telling you, this is how you need to spend your money. We're we're helping
2: you say, this is how much money you have. Mm-hmm. These are your needs. What's left?
1: That's that's up to you.
2: And yeah, yeah. We're,
1: we're not the parent. We yeah yeah. I think it's just really important that we never have an attitude of having arrived. Yeah. Because we haven't. We're well, all yeah growing. I certainly haven't. I still call you all the time for questions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was uh, our friend Martin Luther, who said spiritually, right we're all just beggars trying to tell another beggar Begar. where to find bread
1: absolutely you know and
0: sp- spiritual bread, of course, and that's exactly that attitude right there mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to have an attitude of superiority when you realize that uh, we are all sinners separated from God that's right. and have been saved by his grace so just another another plug for the biblical worldview of how that makes all this work you know mm-hmm. what about uh other practical needs. We talked about, uh, case but, managers. Yeah, talks
2: a little bit about case managers. How else
0: can people get involved with my brother's place? Thank you
2: for asking. Um, <laughs> you know, I do want to say one thing. We are often asked, you know, how can I get involved? How can I help? And it's hard because I want to say everyone come help. I want all of your help. I never want to turn anyone down, but what we do is we, it's sensitive and people are private. And so as a board and organization, we work really tirelessly to protect privacy Um, and sometimes
0: I'm sure they really appreciate that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, being heat from here and Mm -hmm. working with families in our town, um, sometimes we're really careful because I don't always want people to know that I work with my brother's place because yeah. I'm the one who would be sending your application, and so I never want to take away anyone's dignity or make them feel embarrassed Mm -hmm. about asking for help because I think that takes strength to Mm -hmm. ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes it's hard to give an immediate answer when somebody asks, like, "What can I do?" Because it's like, well, um, but the one that you know, we we covet their prayers. You know, please be praying for our organization, for our board, for the families we work with. First and foremost, yes, please pray. (laughs) Yes. and then the second thing is uh, we did mention the case managers, but we are a nonprofit and we do not receive any government assistance whatsoever. Yeah. And as I mentioned, we have some ambitious goals for our organization, for our small nonprofit organization. We have some ambitious goals for the near future. And so the one area that um, we're focusing on a little bit right now is just increasing the number of monthly givers. And okay. I'm not talking you write me a check every month for a thousand dollars and be right. this huge donor. I'm not saying that. Um, but if we can... Increase the number of people who regularly support us. Yeah, it just it it, it creates it's healthy. So it's, it's healthy for an organization. You guys
0: have events Correct. throughout the year. One we of were. my most <laughs> beloved things is is the golf outing, yes, right? Which we is have a that. big help to you guys. But you also then besides those events, the, so the one the day convers- in day out, yes. kind of monthly giving would help. Correct.
2: Um, and so yes. the conversations are continuing. Um, you know, we've talked about potentially adding a dinner. Mm-hmm. so that we are really able to continue those relationships with those that support us, um, with the local churches, with our donors, with the people who prayerfully um, and faithfully just support us. And so yeah. that's a conversation that we're continuing to having. But yes, our golf outing is always the first Friday of October, a little plug there. <laughs> um, and you know what, It's it's been, a, it's one of my favorite days of the year. And it's not even so much about the money that's raised. I
0: feel like every year it gets better.
2: It's Oh, thank you. Um, Alyssa <laughs> does a great job. But it's, it feels like family yeah. when we're all there. And yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite days because you get to see people who, who really believe in what you're doing and ask questions that make me really think sometimes on the spot of, yeah. um, let me come quick up with a story, um, about a you know a recent client. They, they are eager to learn about what we're doing and that's encouraging. Um, but yeah, so coming to the golf outing is always really appreciated as well. Um, and yeah. thankfully yeah. we have sold out the last couple of years and yeah. Um and that's great. It's but
1: networking too. and that's you know, what I was just gonna say too. Yeah, it's it's networking. It's uh, you know, sometimes we have the need to ask a lawyer a question. Um, oh, I see sometimes we've had an accounting question.
2: Uh, it could be we, it, the scope is, is very wide with it a nonprofit. Is. You know, we we need people from car me- car mechanics to social services professionals, mm-hmm. to pastors, to counselors, to social workers. I mean it's the scope is very wide and because we're a nonprofit, one and two, because you work with families who are have a variety of of needs. You never know who you're going to need, and and yeah. we are not professionals in all
1: things. I spend yeah. a lot of time on Google, so <laughs> but connecting with the churches that's why that's hugely important because okay. then it's it's believers who are in these positions that that can help us, and so it's not right. just a matter of answering a. A question that has to do with the law, mm-hmm. but it's a believer answering your question it has to do with the law. So there's yeah. all that that aspect of it. And then it. I think the last piece too of of how you can um,
2: how you can help. As I mentioned this already, the food pantry. We have a food pantry at Highlands, and we have families that are using that. I would say the needs right now for that would be school snacks for kids. We have a lot of families with young children. Okay. Um, juice boxes for school, things like that. Okay. Frozen foods. Frozen as well. foods as well. Yes, because meat is a huge need. Um, yeah. Definitely, like, for, you know, meat for the freezer is a huge thing. Yeah, and we have people who are so generous in supporting us. Many members of yes. Highlands, I think of Patty and the bread and the cookies she does. There, there are so many wonderful people that support us, and yes. I would be remiss not to mention that. And yeah. we appreciate Highland support greatly. Um, sure. it we couldn't, we literally we're could not do it with, without the support of yeah. people like you. Yeah, well,
0: we're happy to. Um, how can people find you? Do you have an online
2: presence? (laughs) You can find us at church if you go to (laughs) Highlands. So we're on Facebook, um, just with My Brother's Place NJ. And then we also have an Instagram, My Brother's Place NJ. And then we have a website, mybrothersplace.com. And we have online giving there. And actually, in the next couple months, that will be going under a major overhaul, which I'm really excited and also very nervous about doing. But um, there will be a major update to that website, which will be cool. Okay. That's how you can
1: find
0: us. Very, very good.
1: We're really thankful that you had us here and thankful for the opportunity to uh, talk about My Brother's Place. And I just want to reiterate what Alyssa said. There are so many people who support us in a variety of ways, and we could not do this without you. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah. No, thanks for coming on. I enjoyed it. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation with Alyssa and Doreen from my brother's place. Thank you ladies so much for coming on the program. If you'd like to find more out about the Mike check podcast, you can look us up online at the Mike check We are also on the socials, on the Insta, on the Facebook. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can fill out a contact us form on the website, or you can email me, Mike, the Mike check If you'd like to find more about Highlands Bible church, The best way to do that is to come visit us on the Lord's Day, Sunday. That's right. Sunday is the Lord's Day, the day of Christian worship, 9.30 a.m. Right here in beautiful Vernon. You can look us up at highlandsbiblechurch.org. We are also on the socials. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the mic check. Until next time, keep checking the unbiblical with the biblical and we will see you again on the mic check.